Church, Charlotte. Praise the Lord, somebody. I, I don't know how heavy your life has been recently. I feel like we may have some people here today who they've been, their life's been heavy recently. I just want you to know God loves you. He's not going to leave you in this place of heaviness and spiritual weariness. He's going to bring you out with a mighty hand. Can some church folks say amen? So good to be back. Uh, I didn't know y'all started kissing each other while I was gone. That was, that's, that's a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I'm good with it, but... But since we're being you know, honest, I mean, you know, I know that they greeted their brother with a holy kiss, but I mean, I don't mean to be ugly, but I would rather kiss your wife than you. <laughs> I don't mean nothing bad by that. I'm not acting out like some people do. I'm just, with your permission, I'm going to kiss your wife in place of you, okay? Is, is, is that okay? Um, I. I will be more comfortable. I don't know if you will. <laughs> I will be more comfortable. If, no, we're just cutting up, having fun. Um, God is so good. When you come into the house of the Lord, um, let me, before there is a sense, hear me when I say this, before there's a sense of God's presence among us, there is this openness of worship. And then he inhabits that worship space. Is that, you understand, right? It's like God's everywhere, yes, but he does not manifest himself everywhere. And something that happens in a worship culture where God begins to manifest himself among us. And so we, we come into a house and we, we fill the house um, with... Um, a worship, a sweet-smelling savor, so to speak, an incense. And then his presence is manifest among us. And so uh, if you have not yet had a, a deep sense of God's presence near to you, I want to ask you how, what have you been putting into the atmosphere? And you put out, you put into the atmosphere this heart of worship and praise. Oh God, you've been so good to us. We cannot tell you. We can't say it enough. We can't sing it loud enough. We can't shout it loud enough. We can't wave our hands strong enough. We cannot express your goodness. You've been so stunningly good to us that we want to stand in your presence and say, thank you, Lord, for all you have done on our behalf. We worship you with everything that is within us. We lay aside every distraction today. All of us, we, we all have distraction and, and junk in our life. We, we lay it aside and we stand before you and we say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Say it with me, church. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There's none like you, Lord. There's nothing comparable to you. You're better than money. You're better than fame. You're better than power. You're better than the lusts of my heart. You're better than all the... 
immature wanting of my heart. Oh, Lord Jesus, we bless you in this house. Lord, I pray for everyone who came to visit with us today. They kind of took a chance on us. That's what they, that's what you do when you come to a church. First thing I pray that uh, they would have a sense is that this is a safe place and that that tension they've been holding inside of themselves, they can just breathe it out. You're here, you're near. And we bless you with all our heart today. In Jesus' name. Praise God. You can't play that song without making me sing it. Jesus. 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 There's just something about that name. Is anybody on this side is going to help me sing it? Here's Master. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Kings and kingdoms. Would you lift your voice in this house? Put your hands together. Give God a shout of praise and worship. <laughs> Hebrews 13, reading at verse number 20. My title is How God Works. If you want to sit, that's fine. If you want to stand, that's fine. It's all good. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Aren't you glad you have a shepherd in your life? <laughs> By the blood of the eternal covenant. Aren't you glad this covenant isn't just good for a, <laughs> it doesn't have a sell-by date, right? <laughs> may this Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Yes. Yep. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Somebody say amen real loud. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to give you one more passage of scripture. You guys have heard me reference this before. You also know that I love to read familiar scriptures in different translations, so I hear them with fresh ears. Um, language is a layer cake, and words evoke meanings that are not literal. The evoking can come from another way in which the word is used. So if you look at a very common scripture like, without a vision, the people perish, if you look at that with your years of hearing it, your 
memorization that you've done from time to time, probably more when you were uh, younger. Um, if you look at it that way, you can almost get where you hear it with familiar ears and it cliches somehow in you. And so you come to a translator who looks at the words and looks, kind of weighs them for their images and gives it to you with a slightly different take. My favorite translation of this verse is from the message. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If they cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over uh, themselves. Uh, I, I want to say at the outset something I felt in my spirit, and really I had the emotion of this message before I had the message itself. This isn't uncommon with me. The Lord will place a feeling and emotion in my spirit, and I want to preach it out. And if sometimes uh, I don't get it out of my spirit, and if I drive home with it, along with a sense of communication failure, um, is kind of, uh, I need a sense of an ending, that emotion that is in my, my spirit. And this emotion that has been with me in line with what God would say today um, is that some of us are making our life of faith much more difficult than it's supposed to be. There is a heaviness in some of our journey that is, it's not helping you. I, I didn't get a lot of amens on that, and it's okay. It's, it's hard to compliment the surgeon when he's cutting on you, I know. Um, your journey is not supposed to be this hard. Yes. Serving God is not supposed to be this hard. It might be, my friend. <laughs> it might be that you have brought some burdens, but rather than leaving them at an altar, you added them to the Lord's burden and then blamed God for all of it. It, it, it might be that presumptions on your part have added to the burden that God has uh, for you. The Bible tells us that his burden is light. It's not that there isn't heaviness in our lives. It's that he strengthens us more than the burden weighs. Does that make sense? It's not that there isn't pain in your past. It's that there's also blessing in your future. And there's no price you will pay. Hear me, hear me. Let me preach. There's no price that you will pay where you do not realize that what God has done for you is so much greater than the burdens that have been in your personal experience that his burden on net has made you fly, not just drag your feet along the ground. And so I have very much a desire in my, my heart today to give you a reminder of all the ways in which God is working for you, but you may be blind to the hand of God in your life. And the first symptom that I believe most people will feel when they cannot see how God is working, the first emotional journey that they find themselves on when they cannot 
perceive that God is working is a sense of fear, a sense of uncertainty, where there is an edge to everything you do. It's like a jumpiness in your spirit. It's like you don't know what's next, but you know there's a good chance it's going to make your life harder, not better. And so there's this wincing, wincing, wincing in your life, this flinching in your life. And here you are supposed to believe that God is on your side. And every time the enemy threatens, you flinch. You who said he would never leave you nor forsake you, quoting his promise. You who brought all your burdens to the altar and there laid them down. You who have stood in the place of God-given righteousness and having received all of the promises that are to the covenant righteous where God himself says, I've never seen, or, or the, I should say, King David says about the Lord, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed of the righteous begging bread. If I could help you to open your eyes today to see how God is working, you would be like a certain servant in the Old Testament who assumed the end had come. He assumed death was what was next. And the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And having his eyes opened, he saw that God had their enemy surrounded while their enemy thought they were surrounding them. God can do a work so far beyond our ability to rationalize it, to figure it out. God's power is greater than my logic. I want to tell somebody here today, you've been walking and your step is too heavy. You need to remind yourself how God is working on your behalf. There should be more joy in your walk with God. You need to remind yourself you're not doing this alone. This isn't about you being good enough to get God. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ where he has paid your sin debt. Uh, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Uh, one of the greatest scientists of our generation, or at least uh, those of us who are of a certain age, um, was a man by the name of Francis Collins who headed up the Human Genome Project before serving as the director of the National Institute of Health. Um, he was a fantastic a scientist. He was very much a part of unraveling uh, the human genome and that genome project. Uh, he, as part of his, a part of his telling of that story, he wrote a book, a best-selling book entitled "The Language of God," and he tells about how, as a medical student, he he found it convenient not to think about God. He said it was convenient for me not to have to deal with God. No matter what I saw, no matter what wonder I was exposed to, no matter what uh, mark of divinity was in the work I was doing, he said, I, I found it convenient not to think about God. Then one day, uh, one of his patients told him of her faith and asked him what he believed. And uh, this is Collins' own words. I stuttered and stammered and felt the color rising in my face. And I said, well, I, I, I don't think I believe in anything. 
And he said, I, I felt how thin that answer was, even when I said it. It was very unsatisfying. He said, it seemed like a very thin answer, and that was unsettling. It was unsettling that uh, his answer had so little weight to it. He began a process of searching because the more and more he learned about the language of life uh, that is placed by uh, God in every cell of our being, he said there was such a fantastic nature to it that I could not simply believe that it was a happy accident. There was too much form and function to it. Uh, there was too much dependency uh, upon uh, itself and so much recursiveness to all of the process that it could not have happened the way it did without some type of a divine language. Uh, and so that's why he entitled his book, The Language of God. Uh, he began a process, a season of his life of studying, and he, he tells of grilling a pastor, and he tells of reading uh, the works of uh, C.S. Lewis, and finally, he, he, he knew that he was, <laughs> there was a lot more going on than he had been willing to admit to himself, and that God was working in ways that were increasingly vivid to him. And he tells about a personal life encounter, uh, life-changing encounter. Uh, he said uh, a full year had passed since I had decided to believe in some sort of God. And now I was being called to account on a beautiful fall day as I was hiking in the Cascade Mountains during my first trip west of the Mississippi. The majesty and beauty of God's creation overwhelmed my resistance as I rounded a corner and saw a beautiful, unexpected frozen waterfall hundreds of feet high, I knew the search was over. The next morning, I knelt in the dewy grass as the sun rose and surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ. Finally, he saw how God was working. If we do not see how God is working, we tend to make a mess of everything we're trying to do. If we do not see how God is leading, we tend to make a journey much, much more difficult. If we do not see, if you do not see, if I do not see the things I'm going through, which like you, I have my own ups and downs, my own struggles and trials. If I cannot see how God is working, I will think perhaps that what I'm going through now is the trial that's going to get me. If I forget how God is on my side, I'll think the pain I feel in my body now is the new reality, not the valley of the shadow of death. If I cannot see how God is working, I will think that the current relationship struggle I am in with my spouse, I mean, I'm speaking rhetorically, I'm not in a relationship struggle with my spouse, I have long since learned how to say, yes ma'am, no ma'am. <laughs> But if I cannot see how God is working, I will begin to think that this is going to be the conflict that destroys our marriage. I have to know, I have to see, I have to feel that God is working on my behalf. 
Francis Collins said this, I believe God did intend in giving us intelligence to give us the opportunity, opportunity to investigate and appreciate the wonders of, our crea- of his creation. He is not threatened by our scientific adventures. He goes on to say, faith is reason plus revelation. And the revelation part requires one to think with the spirit as well as with the mind. And I love this. You have to hear the music, not just read the notes on the page. Hearing music is emotional. Reading music is intellectual. Let me say it again to this side of the church. Maybe they'll say amen louder than y'all did, okay? Hearing music is emotional. Reading music is intellectual. Some of us need to feel the presence of God working on our behalf. Not just listen to a preacher. Not just read a book of theology. Not just have a morning devotional. Some of us need to have a sense of God's hand working in our life. Because if we do not know, if we do not see how God is working, or let me say it this way, if we lose our hope that God is working, stuff that should not bother you is going to nearly destroy you. And trials you should be able to walk past are going to wrap the tentacles of their damage around you. That which you should overcome will be an existential threat. Because you cannot see how God is working. Hear me today. At the heart of the Christian faith is this affirmation. We have an omnipotent, somebody say all powerful, an omnipresent, say always with us everywhere, and benevolent. That is, yes, Jesus loves me. He's all powerful. He's everywhere I go, and he loves me. We have as a foundation stone of our faith that God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and benevolent. He didn't have to love us, but he did. He knew the dumb stuff, and he still chose to love us. He knew the mess we would make, and he still chose to love us. The worst day of your life, God knew before he died on the cross for you. He carried it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated great drops as of blood. He knew and he chose you anyway. So don't let your sorrows destroy your faith. And don't let the lies of hell keep you away from the community of God's people. And don't let the seven times you fall and be the reason you don't get back up. Hear me today, Uh, But there's something more important than that, and that is the damage, emotional and spiritual damage that you have survived, that you have learned to cope with, and now you wonder, is this who you're going to be the rest of your life? Excuse excuse me, I, I want to tell you this spiritual promise. This is not who you're going to be the rest of your life. God will restore your soul. He will heal your past traumas. He will comfort your grieving heart. 
the third evidence of God working is healing, not, excuse me, not healing, but protection. And protection is that element of God doing for us what we oftentimes do not even realize he has done because we were saved from what did not happen. Second Thessalonians 3 and 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He says to Peter, Peter, uh, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Satan would like to find out just what you are capable of. Some of you guys are living through things and hell is just trying to find out what you're capable of. So guard your heart and make sure not everything that's in your heart comes out of your heart because that's what hell wants to do is find out what you're capable of and then use that as your identity from here on out. And now you're not someone saved by grace. You are the one action that is a label upon you the rest of your life. Oh, my brother, my sister, don't let hell sift you, find the worst part of you, and then identify you by that by the re- for the rest of your life. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I, oh, hallelujah, somebody, I have prayed for you, Jesus says. Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. That's okay, but let me tell you what Peter doesn't do. He doesn't sink to the bottom of what he could have been and done. He is protected by that what, which God has done for him from that which he is capable of. Oh, I'm afraid you guys missed that. He is protected by God from that which he himself is capable of. I want to stand here as a testimony. I know some of you guys think I'm a goody two-shoes and that I'm so sweet that when I walk by, people just throw candy into the air like it is a candy rain on Easter. But I want to tell you, you have no idea what I am capable of. But by the power of God, hell was not able to filter me so fine that what came out of me was something that was deformative to me. I was protected. Somebody say protected. I was protected. Somebody say protected. I was protected by the power of God. Circumstances form you. Relationships form you. You ought to take care of some of the relationships you have because they form you. You hang out with some people, they will force you to be a crook. You didn't want to be a crook. You get into business with some people, they will force you to be a crook. You didn't even know you had it in you, and pretty soon you're lying just like they are. Why? I don't have time to get into this. Let me just move along here. God, protect us from who we could be and protect us from the devourer who seeks to consume us. Protect our children from the enemy. Protect our families from the lies of hell. I praise you today for what I know you've done. And I stand in amazement to consider what could have happened, but you stood before it and mercy said no. I bless you today. I'm thankful for provision in my life. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God's got you, my brother. God has got you, my sister. 
You say, I don't know what I need. Welcome to the club. No one else does either. There's a name for it. It's called humanity. I don't even know what I need. That's why the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues is important. Even Paul says, I don't know how I should pray, but the Spirit makes intercession through me. If you've never had the sign of tongues in your life, it's a sign. Tongues isn't the Holy Ghost. It's a sign of the Holy Ghost. It's a, an omission oftentimes in your spiritual life. I don't know how I should pray. I don't know how I can make a difference. And uh, the Spirit makes intercession through you. This is, this is provision in our life. God's provision is not primarily limited to material needs, although it does, let's be honest, if you don't have food to eat, you don't really have a very spiritual mindset. That's why we have to really help people not just say be warmed and filled. Oh, I got quiet on that one. That's all right. I'm going to move along. Uh, the abundance of God, the abundance of grace, the provision of God, more importantly, is about grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Wisdom, love, strength. In the face of challenges, God opens the windows of heaven and says, I know you're having shortages down there. Just be reminded there's no shortages up here. What do you need? Call on me and I will answer you. I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. Look, the windows of heaven are open. Ask and ye Ask and ye, ask and ye, the windows of heaven are open in your life. You're starving down there in heaven saying ask. If you see God provide for you, that's just as much an evidence of the hand of God working in your life as if you had stood there when God said, let the waters be separated from the lands. The fifth sign of God working in your life is spiritual empowerment. He's called you to do something. You can't do it. But he says, I will come alongside you. I will steady your hand. I will give courage to your spirit. Don't be afraid of what you'll say. I'll give you the words. Put yourself in the place of ministry and speak. Put yourself in the place of need and act. Empowerment is about us accessing the potency of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, this, uh, this was the text we read together, to accomplish in a, infinitely more than we can ask or think. No, I'm sorry, that's number six. Uh, this is uh, uh, his, uh, now all, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think divine empowerment catches you at the edge of your boundary and says, trust me. Lord, is that you? Bid me come. And the Lord says, come. And out of the boat of our safety zone we step. And we step upon to a moving service. A sur surface, I should say. And if we can keep our eyes on Jesus. But I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. Keeping our eyes on Jesus can be a bit of a challenge, dearly beloved. Number six, we have a, a, a commission. It is a common mission. It is a commission. We are 
toward a single purpose, a divine purpose. We laid down our life that we might give it to him. We laid down our purpose that we might give our efforts to him. And Hebrews 13 and 20, and this was our text we read together, now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. May this one who rose from the dead equip you. Somebody say, equip me. I don't know how to do what God would like me to do. Lord Jesus, equip me for the purpose. I don't know how to move the needle of this generation's need. I don't know how to help broken hearts be made whole. I'm willing, Lord Jesus, but I desperately need you to equip me. Can somebody say amen? I need you to equip me, oh God. I, I speak on behalf of my whole pastoral team. I'm honored to have the team I have, Lord Jesus. They make me look good. Uh, I just want to say, Lord, none of us really know what, what, what we, we don't have a good plan down here. We look heaven where we say, equip us for this purpose, oh God. Equip us to see the spiritual revival that is on the horizon brought to fruition in this generation. In Jesus' name I pray. This is our purpose. We are equipped to do his will and we work that which is pleasing in his sight. And the only way it's possible is through the power of Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Musicians come, and I'm I'm about to be done. Uh, This is the common mission of all of us, to make through the power and uh, redemptive covering of Jesus Christ, we make a broken world whole. This is... This is the mission of the gospel. Through sin, that which God had created was turned towards selfishness. That selfishness is Lucifer's religion. Um, Lucifer did not say, worship me. He said, uh, the Lord's trying to keep you down. Uh, Eat of the tree so you can be equal with the Lord. And so what Lucifer invites Adam and Eve to do is to serve themselves, not to serve Lucifer, but by serving their self, they become co-journers, sojourners, uh, co-journeyers with Lucifer. And just as Lucifer turned his worship from God to himself, this is what we do every day of our lives when we serve self and judge God. We decide, we'll read some scripture in the Old Testament and we'll decide that God can't exist because of that scripture. We're judging God. We have taken good and evil into our own hands as though we would know justice if it grew fangs and bit us. We walk around judging others on their appearance and then we demand others judge us on our intentions. And now we say, oh, we know what justice is. We read someone 4,000 years ago writing about geopolitics of the time and we blame God. And then God himself said, look, I put up with a lot because of the hardness of their hearts. Namely, let's talk about women's circumstances. Do you see? I, I better stop. I, I'm, I'm getting carried away. Y'all pray for me. I've been, I've been on the road a long, long time. I come home. Pastor Don's got people kissing each other. I, it's just, I, I, I've got a lot going on here. We make a 
broken world whole through Jesus Christ. By one man, Adam's rebellion, sin entered, it broke the world. Through Christ, the debt is paid. And we, changed by the love of God, can turn our hearts toward making a broken world whole. That is our common calling, our common mission. How is it possible? Somebody say Jesus. How is it possible? Who paid our sin? How and why can we repent? What name is above every name? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. Somebody say it with me. You have a spiritual purpose upon you. Purpose is different than commission. Purpose is unique to you. It is your gifts, your personality. You can do things I can't do. You can reach people I can't reach, do you see? I'm much more effective reaching people if I can include you in the connection between us. There's people that I, I can bring to the church, but they need more than what I can give. Do you see? God uses my talents, my abilities, and he matches me together with, with, with Pastor Melix. He matches me together with Pastor Lisa. You see what I'm saying? Uh, I, together, together, I get impatient on the telephone. I don't want to talk two hours. Sister Lisa's just getting started after two hours. She's not even got warmed up yet, and I'm ready to pull my hair out. I'm different than she is. I'm impatient. She will listen to you cry. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Hush. Do what I say or stop crying. <laughs> is that too much truth? I'm going to put you in touch with Sister Lisa. She's going to say, you poor darling, you poor darling. Seven days later, it's going to be you poor darling, not me. I'm like, my God, mow the yard already. But I have a certain set of abilities. You see what I'm saying? You have a certain set of abilities. God puts us together. You want to reach your family? Honey, you ain't enough. You need a church to help you. Let me make it a little bit further. You want to see your children saved? You're not enough. They need some, you better hope they have respect for some Sunday school teachers and don't you destroy their respect for their Sunday school teachers. You better hope they have a, 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 a student pastor who loves them. Don't, don't sit around and criticize the student pastor. You better hope there's a pastoral staff who checks on them and worries about them when they're a little bit down on a Sunday, who calls them and checks on them when there's a rumor going around that their heart's broken because of some girl. God knows there's only two or three girls in the world, so. And you, you, let me say it this way. I'm not enough. You're not enough. God joins us together. Stay with me all across the house. Lord Jesus, I'm praying intently. I'm praying passionately, oh God. I feel this in my heart and in my spirit profoundly. There's people who they're, 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 their life is too heavy. It shouldn't be this heavy. They're trying to serve you, but they're, they're, they're adding burdens and blaming you, and you're not the one putting the burden on them. They cannot see how you're working, and so they're falling all over themselves for Jesus. They're not sleeping at night. They're flinching every time the phone rings. There's a darkness, a, a personal cartoon cloud. 
world following them around, raining on everything they do. There's a heaviness in them. They can't see how you're working, oh God. And it's affecting their faith. It's already got their joy down to a zero level. They long since stopped being a voice for promises of God in other people's lives because they're too heavy, they're too tired, it hurts too much, oh God. I'm praying that you would crack the lids of their blindness. And I'm praying they could see how you're working even though they cannot in their flesh describe it, defend it, define it. You're still working. And if they could see a little bit of how you're working, oh God, there would be a joy that began to well up within them. It would be unspeakable. It would be inexplicable. And they would begin to worship you and praise you. And that little bit of seeing you work would be like a finger hold on a cliff wall of despair. They could get a finger hold and they could start climbing out of that dark place because they see how you are working. We stand with Elisha's servant and we say, open our eyes, oh God. preaching this to people here today. I know I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to the people here today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you to take a step. I'm going to ask you to respond to this moment of the Spirit of the Lord. Would you step out and would you make your way down to the front and as you come, would you lift your hands and would you say, here I am, Lord Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. We're all going to come in a moment. We're an altar church. I believe God changes lives on the altar, so we're never going to stop coming to the altar. I want to invite everyone who will right now. Is there somebody who you're, 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 you're having problems sleeping because of unknown circumstances? I want you to come stand down here right now. I want some pastors to gather around you. We want to pray for you. Is there a heaviness in your spirit you can't explain? Is there, is there a, a heaviness that it's just that the joy that you once had has long since retired? I want you to come right now. I want you to stand down here. I want us to pray for you. I want us to speak the name of Jesus. I want you to be bold. I want you to be bold. Don't worry about us embarrassing you. We, we won't embarrass you. We'll just pray for you. We don't, we don't do embarrassment. There's some of you I'm preaching to, you're, you're hiding back there. I don't mean to be ugly, but I'm telling you, there's something, there's a spiritual break if you'll be honest about where you're living. And so I'm going to wait one moment more and put just a little bit of loving pressure on you. Make yourself vulnerable right now and step out in faith. Lord Jesus, you know the circumstances of every heart, every life. We're calling upon you. Would you let the Holy Ghost work in our lives and hearts, oh God? Would you let the Holy Ghost have its perfect way among us? Lord Jesus, we turn away from our own answers and solutions and we call upon you in Jesus' name. Oh God, we repent of our, our doubt. We confess our blindness and we ask today that you would open our eyes, heal our vision, oh God. Even if it's just a little bit, it's a step in the right direction. Even if it's just imperfect and we see men as trees walking, oh God, let us take a step of faith. Let us receive and perceive the work of God. Everyone.
someone who will, I'd like you to find a place to pray. I'd like you to come down the front. I'd like you to reach out to someone near you. We're going to turn this whole house into a prayer service for a little while. In, in, a, in a couple minutes, we're going to have a baptismal service. But right now, I'd like everyone who will to humble yourself before God and say, Lord Jesus, show me how you are working that my faith may not be limited by the emotional trap I've been living in. I have an emotional lid in my life that's keeping me from flying into the realm of faith. And this emotional lid is stopping everything that I'm doing. It's like I leap and I hit this lid of emotional limit. And that is the end of my spiritual trajectory. Oh God, I'm praying today that we would break through that. We would break through that, oh God, and we would see with increasing understanding and wisdom how you work, how you bless, how you heal, how you keep. Oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.